Ni sambole vinaka na turanki na marama, na varavo kina ngone elewa. Oni sema tiko maina salini mwane libliwa, kina kakamburaki waka yodhori tiko ya nyungo. Senga talini ngule dhavi wa rena turanki na marama, mbali na esono tolu. Kumbuna, burbasanga, kina matanitu uweo kani nota wata tulosaka. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, my name is Maikali Cruz Dondre, and welcome to another podcast episode of Everyday Fijians where everyday Fijians share the everyday story living in the everyday world. Before I proceed on, I just want to take this time to greet all our listeners, whether they're living here, where I live here in Sydney, Australia, here locally, or literally around the world. I just want to take this time and opportunity to greet you all. Uh, I say, just want to say Vinagabagalevo for your support, especially towards this podcast, by listening, by commenting, by rating, by subscribing. It means a lot, really does. So I do appreciate your support, um, especially these podcasts and just with share Fijians sharing their story. So in saying that as well, just want to take this time as well to um, wish everyone a happy Easter, especially here in Sydney, Australia, around the world. Uh, you know, the people are celebrating Easter. Um, and it's just wonderful to see that, uh, you know, the post and whether you're celebrating from a, a religious perspective or, or just from a non, from, just from a non-religious perspective, you know, to, just taking time spending family or going to church or having a barbecue or picnic, uh, just taking the time to be amongst, you know, those that you love and spending, you know, during this time of public holidays and so on and so forth. But without further ado, for this special episode of uh, Everyday Fijians, um, I've been given this opportunity to share memoirs. So the memoirs that I'm sharing to you right now tonight are from the memoirs of uh, Mr. Rem Basilala. Um, of course, for those of you that are friends with him on Facebook or Instagram, um, it's very intriguing and very, um, it's very fascinating to see the posts that he shared, uh, especially during his time, or probably... As well, during his time, was still if he's still active in the, um, you know, in the British Armed Forces or in the Scot, uh, the Scottish, uh, the Scots Division, and it's wonderful to see that what he has written and, uh, with the person he shared. Um, I'm given this opportunity to share it through this podcast, and hopefully, in a way, it will give insight, and will further spread the news about you know, Fijians serving overseas. I'm thankful enough to have family. Uh, that is serving in the British Army and also in the Australian Army. And I've also been thankful as well in the past for family members serving in, um, in the armed forces. So my granddad, he served in the armed forces during the Malayan War. Uh, my uncle, he was serving in the Fiji Army when they went to Lebanon. Uh, my other uncle was part of the army. So I've had uh, uncles that have been a part of the army. Um, I had an auntie that was part of the New Zealand Navy. So it's a wonderful thing to see Fijians exercising their expertise, especially in warfare and assisting other forces around the world or in a way enhancing or expanding their own knowledge or their own intellect um, in regards to knowing more about warfare, about defending yourselves or defending the Vanua, defending the land. So... um, I'm going to proceed with these memoirs, and I hope that it does just I do justice by sharing forth. Uh, if I was to be honest with you, um, I just I, when I was reading through once, just get the hang of it. I did um tear up a little because it's just um it's just really awesome to read this and see you know how these individuals how they open the door um to further 
for further Fijians coming in, uh, coming along the, over the years, um, even during this time as well. I'm um, just reading on the 212, the 212, uh, the first batch of Fijian soldiers that went back, that were enlisted in the British Army, and to see their story. And by reading these um, memoirs as well, it's, uh, it's sort of parallel with each other in a way, showing you know what they had to go through, what they faced by leaving the tropical islands of, you know, home back in Fiji or in Viti to come into another place which is cold and, you know, where the conditions are very, you know, more harsh and severe. So without further ado, hopefully Mr. Rey Mbaselala is uh, hearing this. Just want to say thank you, sir. Uh, not only for these mem- these uh, notes that you've uh, shared, that you posted on Facebook, but also I just want to thank you for your services. Uh, thank you for your services and your commitment in serving in the armed forces. Um, and of course, I know that you and other Fijians have done your part and have um, set a good example for us Fijians that I may not you know that may not be serving in the armed forces. That's shown that you know Fijians can adapt anywhere, especially when it comes to warfare or when it comes to serving in other foreign legions. So, without further ado, I will proceed proceed on the Rembasilala memoirs. So, August nineteen ninety eight saw fifteen Fijian. Military forces, band members, opened the door of the Scots Division, which led to thousands of Fijian men and women joining the British Army over the last 23 years. As Commonwealth Day, Commonwealth Day was celebrated, it was fitting, from the words of Mr. Rey Masilala, that this year he would share the wonderful story of why there are so many Fijians in all trades across the, across the British Army today. So it all starts with 1961. When national service was abolished and the Commonwealth invited to be part of the first 22-year professional contract in the British Army, from Fiji came 200 men and 12 women. And by the back during this um, post, it was International Women's Day. But in saying that again, Happy Inter- International Women's Day as well. By the way, of this generation, some of the children had also joined the British Army around 1983 onwards, just as their parents were finishing. Let's say no more than 200 were joined during this period. Fast forward to August 98, when 15 soldiers who were performing the Edinburgh Tattoo with the Fiji Military Forces Band, one morning whilst out and about, three of the group asked the camp commandment of Redford Barracks if they could join the British Army, not fully understanding the protocol of how things worked here in the UK. He mentioned there was a certain way to get there and he took their names. Tangiva, Wakatogaiwalu and Nasautamata. Passing on to the Royal Scots recruiting, Sergeant Kevin Carlin, who picked them up along with Kition and Babandra. The next day, he bravely threw caution to the wind and took them to the AFCO or the AFCO in Edinburgh to do their barb test, which they passed and then on to the Glencores Barracks for, the, for further testing. To then go on and take their oath of allegiance. The next day, another 11 went down to try their luck, and they were also successful. After the tattoo, they returned to Fiji, resigned, and came back to Scotland to start Phase 1 training on December 3rd, 1998. This year, all respect and honour need to be shown to these 15 men. They opened up the doors for recruitment for Fijians and in turn the rest of the Commonwealth. They did not fear the future. They grabbed with open arms. They had a monumental influence in what shape to come with recruiting. They were determined, full of energy, even boisterous as you would expect. They may have not been as young as their counterparts, but they were full of energy and perpetually young in spirit. 
They planted seeds in the hearts of those back home and watered them with their success stories as they led from the front. They rekindled the ambers of feature of army rugby, setting it ablaze, sparking the media to look up and take note of this new Fijian influence. We call them the team of 98. So from the Royal Scots was Kityan Mbavandra, Saula Vasakula, Kamenyeli Tangiva, Kenasi Kainovo, Joe Vagadokoivalu, Yeroni Vakalebulebu, Imoriwanga, Nasatamata. From the King's Own Scottish Borders, Yeroni Nonova, Tutombu, John Rautia. From the Scots Guard, Alifaretti Vagadokoivanua, Israeli Tanganikurukuru, Lepanyarisevo Wangambada. These 15 men went on to become the storytellers, the voice for the voiceless, the examples for the keen and willing back home, changing the shape of rugby in the British Army and bringing the Royal Scots from a small vein of battalion rugby to the main artery of winning the Infantry Sevens and the British Army Union's 15s competition and much, much more. 98 to date saw several RS or RRS soldiers playing for the British Army 7s and 15s. Private Kityone Bavandra was whisked away in week 2 of phase 1 to try for the army, for the army, a team more to follow on his success story moving on. Today and this week we honour your bravery for opening the doors and are forever grateful to you for creating that desire for others to come over and join the British Army. Your story has never been told. It should have been told years ago. That is why I am honoured, and by the words of Mr. Rima Salala, we have permission to tell it for you, to give you the recognition you all deserve with a view of getting published in the Soldier magazine. Moving on to the successor number one part two, titled Kityone Babandra and the boys shaped the rugby style for the British Army. So Mr. Rima Salala has established the fact that 15 young men held the door open for us in 1998. One such character holding this door open was the man mountain of a legend, Kityon Mbavandra. Now, with Mr. Mr. Mbasalala knowing himself, having encountered many characters like this in the King's Hotel in Nambua in Fiji, they will not tell him to close it. Trust me, nobody was going to tell him to shut it, period. So let's go back to the barb test and what really unfolded from the medicals and strength test, BMI, etc. All 15 were waiting outside for the results in Glen Course. It was simple. It was either pass or fail. Not surprisingly, they all got a pass, but Big Babandra had clearly redlined the BMI shaded area in the obese part. But hey, what 6'2 Fijian wing is not 100 kilos and can run like the wind? The doctor was clearly ahead of his time and said that this BMI chart is based on the average European. Fijians are different. The staff couldn't believe it and was somewhat worried that this couldn't be, need be true, let alone legal. So they called for the doctor to come down and present his case. He said, this young man may have a high BMI, but trust me, he is the fastest man here. He told them to go down to the rugby ground and line all 15 up on the dead ball line to prove his point with a good old-fashioned foot race. Babandra may have had the highest BMI, but on the command go, nobody could keep up with the Vesse speedster. It was like Usain Bolt spring with the kids at the Coca-Cola games. Better Kevin Longoni. That shut their mouths and they all knew there and then that the shape of the rugby team for the Royal Scots was going to be upgraded from a Ford Fiesta to a red-hot parent Porsche. 
Fast forward to week two of basic training and the British Army have already asked for the release of Bhavandra. I mean, the man was in phase one. So Bhavandra goes down to old shot and the head coach says, we don't need you to trial for the team. You're, you're in, big man, just like that. The coach, the coach told the staff that Bhavandra was part of the Fiji Army team and that he had torn holes in the defence when the British Army toured Fiji in 1995. He went on to say that when he finishes phase two and he settled it, he'll win his first cap for the army, which he did shortly before his son Apisai was born in 2000. Kitty played on the win for his first army-navy game. This was to become the start of his legacy. Big Kitty, as he was fond referred to, stole the limelight and went on to become the new winger for the British Army 15 side. He was a trailblazer. During phase two, the rest of the lads were keen to get a piece of the action themselves. So they all decided with Babandra taking the lead to form a team and with the blessings of the COC and Catterick, go on and compete and win the infantry sevens. As if, there wasn't, if, that, if, as if that wasn't enough, they made up a team called the South Sea Drifters to play in the Kinsale Sevens, also known as the Heineken Kinsale Sevens, Kinsale Sevens by the Sea, in Ireland and Europe's premier seven-a-side club rugby event. And guess what? Yep, they won it. One of the players is Sereli Tangani Kurukuru and the nickname Marika Wunibaka. What's going on with these 15s, 15 guys? First of all, the team of 98 had blown open the doors to the British Army with their military skills and now effortlessly settling, setting, or should I say, raising the standard of the UK Army 7 scene, paving the way for future rugby stars who poised to follow on the heels of these pioneers. Other accolades the Bavandra, Kainodo Vaka Vakoivalu, Imoriwanga, and Nasatamata helped lay the foundations for were the following. The Royal Scots Sevens, winning the infantry sevens for a record 10 years. The Royal Scots, also known, also won the Army Sevens, seven years in a row. They won the Scottish Rugby League Conference in 2006, another in a huge list of firsts. It is fair to say that the shape and style that there was to, that was to develop on the British Army rugby fields was built not exclusively, but significantly on the shoulders of these giants of men, who I am paying tribute to over the next few days in conjunction with Commonwealth Day. Even when these men became a little slower, wiser, their children took up the mantle and one such person is Kityoni Bhavandra's son, Apisai Bhavandra, who at the tender age of 18, is the youngest Fijian ever to be selected to represent England Sevens, making his debut in the summer of 2019 at the Paris Sevens. After playing just two tournaments in his first year at Bishop Burden College, Api was spotted by the head of rugby, Michael Manga, who has and is still playing an amazing role in developing our British-born Pacific Island rugby players. Moving on to part three of the success story of number one, titled, United We Stand, Divided We Fall. So the honeymoon is over. Babandra is selected to join the Army rugby team and he's back. From here onwards, it is a hard graft and the real relationship begins. Phase one can be quite daunting coming straight in from Vivi Street. If you're coming in after having already served 12 years in the Fiji Army, it can be somewhat humbling. You're almost like a double-edged sword. One side is sharp, with the skills and drills, weapon handling, iron kit and field craft. It's as if you're a seasoned pro auditioning for a shot at the SES. But on the other hand, the fitness is fading. 
You're probably carrying a few nickels from Fiji. You're coming into your 30s and injuries seem to last a lot longer. And this has always been lurking in the back of your mind. Lucasard becomes your new wife, giving you that false sense of power when times are desperate. So here they were, rewriting the history books. The upper age of, of um, entry in 98 was 28 years old for the infantry. However, three of these 15 men were closer to 32. The understanding was that they were already in an army, Fiji army, and they had already proven themselves. So now 32 became the challenge and the gamble that the Scottish division took, believing that these Fijians would show them that 32 was more like 28 or even 24 or even 22. So flashback, if you ever caught a by the bus from Super City and going up Edinburgh Drive, there's a building on the left-hand side of the road just before the hill started. On the wall was written, United to stand, divided we fall. Who knew these words would resonate so loudly in the minds of these 15 men during the first 12 weeks of basic training in Glencore's barracks in uh, Pen Pennyquick? For the majority of the training, it was like they were 28. But for certain aspects, like the final test, which was a run, it proved too much for some. This was a pass or fail test. Fail and your back squatted, passing you going to phase two. Babandra told me the story while while drinking grog in Perjita House in Bosnia 2002. He recollects with a tea in his eye that when they were coming to the last hill, just three minutes left, one of the lads had hit the wall. He was a fit guy. However, on this day, he could go on no further and would have to shop the rest of the way and most definitely not make the time. Joe, Vagadagoyvalu, and Yoron Nonova raced back to grab him by his webbing, dragging him up the hill, saying, We have come all this way, and you're coming too. They said the platoon sergeant shouted out, Leave him alone. It's a, be it's a best effort test. Not really knowing what to do, they stood by him, encouraging him through a mutual spiritual bonding brought on by the spirits of their ancestors, and a grim was reached that if you fail... We will all fail. Babandra came sprinting back down to see his comrade and whispered in his ear, My brother, see our father sitting on the veranda watching the sun go down in Fiji. Sitting there full of pride and sharing the excitement about us, they're probably saying, Issa, see our sons, eh? They're now in the British Army. I'm so proud of them, I feel so proud. He goes on to say, visualize that picture in your mind, my brother. And if that doesn't inspire you to make it up that hill, to make our father smile, then you and I will both fail together. While this was going on, the platoon sergeant was shouting Bob Wondra's ear to leave him alone. But he wasn't giving up on his brother. Then boom, something sparked in his mind. It was like the ancestors were shouting at him, standing shoulder to shoulder around him, encouraging him to get up there and finish it off. He suddenly finds his second wind and accelerated up the hill. As they ran in just in the nick of time, Bavandra was crying. The biggest man there was crying with joy. So elated that his brother and all the brothers in arms had all made it in. There was silence in the room. We all looked away, not wanting to look one another in the eye. We weren't sure what to say, as you knew there and then they had given their all for us. I felt like crying myself. Such emotions filled me with both humility and pride, and I felt very emotional at the thought of their strength of character and perseverance. The icing of the cake for phase one was when all the pain of the pity had finally melted away, 
and they passed their drill test week before the allotted time frame, whilst the rest of the crews were busy marching up and down the parade square to commands of left turn, right turn, and about turn. The crowd had gathered on the sidelines to watch his men put on the show, all Fijian and all red hot. The, the BDE commander, I believe that's the brigade, the brigade commander, had even taken the time to watch their drill test. Everyone was so thrilled that the 11 band members from the Fiji Military Forces Band, the other four now part of the Scots Guards, then the Phase 1 training Pobright, were about to display their skills and drills on the parade square again, bearing in mind that this being the bread and butter for the last 12 years. Conclusively, the display was at a precision and accuracy, seamlessly transitioned between drill movements like seasoned ballet dancers, their skills mesmerized the crowd and they passed with fine colors. The black and white photograph shows the moment they were proudly awarded their Glengarry's straight after their drill test. So we talked about the pain. We talked about the age gap and the double-edged sword. We talked about living on the edge and to try and show the warrior spirit. Some of them may have been older, but they drew on the youth from the group they have their strength. We also talked about giving up. We've all experienced this feeling at least once in our lives. A mature Fijian SAS soldier once told me, Sonny boy, you don't have to be fully fit, but I'm telling you right now, by Christ, you have to be fully determined. It's amazing what strength these men shared together as a collective when their backs were against the wall. They were able to draw on that communal spirit and visions of their family standing on the sidelines cheering them on in spirit. They had fidelity to a creed or fidelity to a breathtaking belief that they would make it no matter what and what and would rather die trying than fail. Moving on to part uh, success story number one, part four. So Mr. Badasalala has covered about told about the fifteen men in total. But Mr. Masalala didn't really talk about how they were separated and were distributed to fulfill the recruitment needs of the time. These extremely ambitious men were destined to travel different paths. It was decided that eight would go to the Royal Scots, three would go to the King's Own Scottish Borderers, and four would go to the 1st Battalion. The Scots Guards were Lepani Raisevo, Alifariti Vanua, Weteki Wangambava, and Israeli Tangani Kurukuru. Today we talk about their journey. Now last week, Mr. Basilala caught up with Sergeant Raisevo, a gentleman from Tamavua, Batani Kutu Netaisiri. And this is what he said. A band was sent to Heathrow to welcome us. I looked around in awe, looking for the VIPs, thinking, no, it can't be us, but it was. It had been over 37 years since a group of men had made this journey as a collective from Fiji to serve a Majesty's crown and the band there was to meet them. It was 37, 1998 when I walked through the gates of Purbright along with Vanua and Tag. So her real name was Tangani Kurukuru, but it was difficult to pronounce, and Wanga. Four men straight from their motherland immersed straight into a whole new life and new beginnings. The weather was the first thing on my list to hate, as all we knew was the sunshine all year round back home. 6 December was the first day of training, and it was the start of something completely new. Freezing cold weather and expression Wanga gave. Santotori kudvinaka tunimatai walumaiviti, Always want to keep our spirits up. We joined in the winter 98, where snow was knee deep 
and it was funny. One of us, which Mr. Mbalasalala didn't name, wore long johns 24-7, even when on PT. No one really noticed until he was soaking wet and was hanging past his army trousers nearly cleaning up his track plan in the harbour area. I asked Lepani what it was like during the Christmas break. He said, When Christmas leave approached, there was nowhere for us to go as we didn't know anyone or indeed have any relatives nearby. So the battalion raid party or 1SG in Northern Ireland hosted us during the Christmas period. We returned to Purbright to continue Phase 1 in January. We finished Phase 1 in February. By then we were starting to get used to the cold weather and the food. We made lifelong friends who are still in contact with the we to this day still work alongside some of them too. We talked about the chance to meet up again with the rest of the band members as they went to Catterick, he goes on to say. We started phase two shortly after Catterick, and that itself was the trying times of training as things got, things got more intense. All we had was each other, and that was kept going till our pass, pass out in May. Again, we were still trying to acclimatise and be accustomed to the way of life in the UK, and eventually we got the hang of it. After I passed out, I had to fly back. I had to fly back home to bring my wife and daughter over. We then joined the battalion in Northern Ireland. By then, they had already spent their first year in Ballykinder for the two-year residential tour. Ballykinder, sorry, for the two-year residential tour. In two thousand one, the next stop was London, so the battalion families had to move across to the mainland. We were doing public duties in Wellington Barracks, exercising in Kenya and a few other places and then Ireland again for Dumcree on a few occasions in consecutive years. 2003 onwards it was a Germany posting to be an armoured bat and we replaced the Coldstream guards then between 2007 to 2009. We separated for a couple of years as I was posted with my family to Catterick. Sergeant Lipan Yaraisevo has been fortunate to have been an instructor at Catterick. This in itself is an honour. So he served in the Fiji army went through the whole process again to join the BA in 1998. Now he was afforded this opportunity to be a role model for young Fijians as a section commander where he could add real value to this job. He was in charge of the first group of Fijian infantiers that had gone through the overseas cell recruitment process that eventually went to Fiji. He shared this with me. Just eight years after joining the SGs, I got an opportunity from 07 to 09 to instruct new recruits joining the infantry, preferably the guards division where I started to see young Fijian men come across for a better future and that brought back a lot of memories. Then in 2010 the battalion moved over, but for, for Vanua and the family, they moved from Germany straight to Purbright, as they had been called for rugby, where he took on the role of head coach for the British Army and Wonga mother finished from the army towards the end of 2013. In 2014, we all posted to Al as the guards, they, guards division were assigned to be close to each other. And by the end of 2017, that's when my family and I made the decision to settle in South Yorkshire as my army career was drawing to an end. Fast forward to 2021 and I'm currently doing resettlement for it would be time to hang up the Scots Guards berets soon. The 1st Battalion Scots Guard has been our family for many, many years. We have gained lifetime friends. Lost some during tours of duty and always be a part of our lives. As they say, it's time to pass the baton on to the upcoming. God is great and works in mysterious ways. We didn't expect to be on the other side of the world creating a future for ourselves and our individual families. The military tattoo of 1998 changed our lives. 
which you couldn't even imagine. We had gone through the good and the bad, easy and the hard, wiped away tears, but all in all, we had the best times of our lives. The British Army took us to places we wouldn't even dream of, gave us opportunities to better ourselves and share the experience with a wide range of people from all areas of Fiji, and that is something we'll always be proud of. In summary, today or whether tonight, we are one of the four upstanding members of the Scots Guards. These four role models achieve lots of fantastic things. Today, reflect and look what they are, look what what they are now. Lepani Raisel is soon to retire. Wangamada has already retired. Alfaretti and Iserali Tangnikurukuru, or TAG, as he is affectionately known, are still serving. TAG is now a CE sergeant, a corporal sergeant. Alfaretti Vanua is a sergeant and also played rugby for the British Army and was called upon in 2010 to become the head coach and take the reins of the British Army 7th team just 12 years after starting his journey. He did this approximately 10 years as head coach. Again, 15 men holding the door open. 15 senior band members from the Fiji military forces that shocked their management and did initially struggle to gain the confidence of their seniors back home to get their blessings, as everyone knew that their absence would leave such a huge hole in the band. It takes a long time to get a, that level of musical expertise. Luckily, they had all been presented with a letter of, to, of offer to join the British Army. This offered them the assistance they needed for their conversation with the SOT to leave on a good note to embark on this notable journey. And this, as they say, is now being written in the history books. A band was sent to Heathrow to welcome us. I looked around in all looking for the VIPs, thinking, no, it can't be us, but it was. We were then escorted to the buses, and then we went our separate ways, one to Purbright and the other to Edinburgh. So, moving on to success story number one, part five. The team of 98 and the Lone Ranger. The British Army is famed throughout the world for its individual reg regiments, most of which have existed in unbroken descent for between 200 and 300 years. The history of the regiments is a brilliant one, conspicuous among them are the Scottish regiments. Today, we talk about the King's Own Scottish Borderers. The KOSB were formerly known as the 25th Edinburgh Ed Regiment from 1689 to 8081. And in 8081, the regimental title was changed to the King's Own Borderers. The word Scottish was added to the regimental title in 1887. 111 years later, who could have predicted this, that Nostradamus himself fell short with this woman in 1999. The pages of history became suddenly exotic when they received their friendly South, South Islanders from Fiji, namely Ironingonova, Tivita Tuta, Tutumbu and John Ravutia. Irani was the only one to fly solo once he had found his strength. He talked to me on the phone, according this is from the memoirs of uh, Mr. Baselala yesterday, and he sounded like such a character who has achieved many of, of the first in Scott's division. Irani has a lot to share, that this will be in two parts. Here's a snippet from Irani Nanova's journey, part one. My name is Irani, Irani Nanova. I'm from Nangara, Wunindawa, Nateseri. Phase 1 training. When we first arrived at Glencourse, it was snowing bad, real bad. This was back in 1998. We were not used to a percentage of that white stuff. We have seen some in the Middle East, but nothing compared to what we were seeing then. It was miserable and challenging. A decision was made by the training group hierarchy 
that we were to wear soft hats, army to be army be the best beanies, instead of TOS and gloves, a part of our military uniform. Our room was always immaculate. Bed and bedding layout, including personal lockers, was top notch. Week five is usually the inspection week for the RSM and the CEO, basically to see the progress of recruits. After day three of our first week, us. Secretary Commander doubled over to the RSM and the CEO and begged them to inspect their room and lockers and he said, and I quote, Sir, you don't need to wait till week five. Foot drill was not bad at all as we're used to it. However, fitness was something we need to really focus on at the time, especially when some of us hit in 30s and mid-20s, not to mention all injuries sustained back home, sprained and broken ankles, broken collarbones, knee problems, etc. But nothing was going to stop us. We're here to stay. During meal times, our instructors have all been informed that a section of 11 men must always bring up the rear last, so the rear, the last, even though sections do rotate at meal times, so it's fair to all. We were excluded because the first time we went in, there was nothing there for the other two sections. Learning, <laughs> trying to grasp everything you've been taught, from weapon systems to communication, so to CBRN to field craft, and everything else in between was really, really tough. Towards the end of phase one training, we informed that the media would like to interview us. They knew we were all ex-Fijian soldiers because their words flying around that we were the same guys who came over the Edinburgh military tattoo. They asked us a number of questions, but there was one particular one right at the end of the interview, which I still remember well to this day. Do you think more Fijians should join the British Army? The answer was simple. We already knew how how tough life was and still is back home. Even for those finishing uni education and like have got nowhere to go and nothing to do. We answered the young people back home are well educated, strong, fit, respectful, obedient. And them joining the BA can only be a good thing for all. And yes, the BA, or as in the British Army, should recruit more Fijians. And here we are 22 years later. Phase 2. We train non-stop. We passed off the square at Glen Course on Thursday. Got into a minibus and down to ITC Catterick for Phase 2 training. The company quartermaster sergeant was waiting for us when we arrived late that night. He dumped our kid at our field and shouted, Get them assembled before morning. The very next morning, we were at the training area during a five-mile tab with 40 pounds on our backs. Welcome to ITC Catterick. At this point, our section would be attached to a platoon regardless of what division they are. When they would go on leave, we would jump to a different platoon and another until index. The instructors trusted us immensely and would leave us alone most times. Training then was really tough, I should say. The instructors were rigid, very knowledgeable, old school, tough, but fair. There, are no sh- there were no shortcuts with any of the training lessons regardless of the weather. You got taught the right way and not the easy way. After passing out the, th- out the three of us, myself, Devita Tumbo and John Rabutia left for Cyprus where our battalion, the KOSB, were based and our brothers left for Northern Ireland to the first port. One thing that really stood out to me when we were talking on the phone was his passion. I could almost feel the vibe in his voice that he was driven. When I joined the Royal Scots in 2000, I had these rumors and stories of Big Ronnie. Ronnie Nanaka. As was only called by his fellow KOSB brethren, it wasn't until 21 years later that I had the privilege to talk to this humble warrior. 
This was the first time for me and him to actually speak ever. By any means, a humble man at heart, but a warrior first and foremost. He is not intimidated by anything, and his royal quality is shown as bright as sun. In the early days, he could not help but make people squint their eyes and say, Who is this guy? He went on to become the first the first to be promoted to sergeant, the first Fijian sergeant in Scots Division, the first Fijian section commander, Catterick. He was what we would call a lone ranger back home, something that is looked down upon in the islands or would be seen to as trying to be fancy. Not Ronnie. He was not Ronnie. He was fancy in every sense of the word. When the KOSB were to merge in 2006 with the Royal Scots, he decided that he wanted to play soldiers some more and would leave the flock and run free. He decided to leave his brothers in his arms to join five Scots formerly known as the Argyle or the Argyle and Sutherland Highlanders who were formed in 1881, where he would go on to put his body in the line for his adopted country time and time again until one day he was shot. Boom. There was silence. What do you expect? He told me. If you live in the lines, then you'll get a scratch. It's the nature of the beast. Excuse the pun. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the memoirs from Mr. Ray Mbasilala of his services in the Scots Division in the British Army alongside the individuals that I've mentioned. It's amazing to see the stories, the journey, the training that they undertook, leaving a place such as Fiji, cool tropical skies, sun, you know, shining out, you know, the heat, you know, the weather, and then come to a place such as in, you know, other side of the world and bearing you know different elements but that it's amazing that during the training just as i said before while speaking on mr basala's behalf in regards to these memoirs it's amazing what really teared me up was when you know he was about to give up or when you know some of the comrades about to give up but it's about you know thinking of you know thinking back home thinking about the family and, you know, just getting the muster of strength and moving on forward and reaching that hill. And it's like for us today here, whether it be a soldier or whether it be as an athlete or even as a worker, you know, at times it can get tough. But, you know, it's always, you know, for me personally, because being a worker, it's about, you know, thinking about our families back home, you know, doing it for them, you know, making sure that we get that, you know, that extra cent or that extra kilometer or that extra weight set or whatever the case may be. And it's wonderful how Mr. Ray Masilala has shared these memoirs, these stories, these journeys of you know the other soldiers. Fifteen soldiers in 1998. And we're here in 2021 and you see the likes of many other soldiers from Fiji that have gone through, such as my cousin. I have a, my cousin who's now serving in the army. My uncle who was serving in the army now is living there in England. Um, and it's just wonderful to see. And, you know, also another cousin that's seven in the army. Uh, a fair few cousins, seven in the British army. So, you know, I'm just thankful, you know, for those 15 uh, individuals back in 98 to open the door. And also acknowledging the 212, as I mentioned earlier. For those, um, I would really have, uh, highly recommend to read the book, to read the novel. But um, in saying that as well, to Mr. Ray Masilala, hopefully hearing this, I do hope that once these borders open, that we'll get to meet. And we get to sit down and, you know, probably continue, you know, hear your story. Uh, have you live on this podcast if I get the opportunity to come over to Scotland or wherever you're based in uh, Britain. 
and to hear your story. Um, and hearing this, you know, reading these memoirs, it's, it's wonderful. It's amazing to see the history behind it and to see, you know, where, where they started in 98, where they are now. So in saying that, my acknowledgement to all Fijians in Europe, serving the British Army or the Scots Division, my full salute and my hats off to you guys in, you know, making the ultimate choice, the ultimate sacrifice to leave home and to go to another place. But, you know, if I was to say this again, you know, your families would be proud of you. Your families, your mothers or fathers, if they're alive or they've passed on, or your, you know, extended family, they'll be proud of you or what you've done, or what you've achieved, or what you're succeeding right now, or whether it be in the past or in the present, or what you'll succeed in the future. Because it's amazing to see Fijians, you know, taking up, taking up the mantelpiece, especially in the armed forces. So in saying that, once again, I hope, do hope that you've enjoyed these memoirs. And hopefully I'll, hopefully I'll get to share on further on regarding the memoirs. Or, you know, once the borders open, get the opportunity to meet Mr. Rey Baselala and some of his comrades. Uh, once the borders open, especially going over to Europe. So in saying that, this is your host, Michael Cruz Dandre. Um, administrator for the Fiji History page. I'll uh, also finish on that. Now I just want to say thank you to all. Um, to all that have... Um, that that have subscribed or or following the Fiji history page because reached a milestone of sixty thousand followers, and I've for that. It's an it's an honor and privilege to see that you know the history page has grown over the years, and not only that, also as host of the Everyday Fijians podcast, to see you know over three thousand five hundred plays, and the audience growing over to nearly three hundred now. So I'm thankful for your support. But in saying that once again, as your host. I do hope that you enjoyed this podcast in regards to the memoirs of Mr. Reli Basalala and to the other comrades, especially those that left in uh, the 15 that left in 1998 from the, after the Royal Tattoo in Edinburgh. And once again, thank you so much. And having the saying that, enjoy the rest of your Easter or the rest of your week until we meet again for another podcast of Everyday Fijians sharing the everyday story in the everyday world. Minaka, take care. Misamode.